Rider Nation, bringing the energy, bringing the fight, bringing the fire every game day, every practice. Let's go, Rider Nation. Hey everyone, this is the Piffles Podcast, episode 189 of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Alex. I'm Steve. And I believe that this is all just a conspiracy to combine the USFL, XFL, the UFL, uh, the original USFL, and the CFL all into one giant league so we can have football domination. And I'm Greg. And the, a- and the AAF. Oh, yes. I forgot about the AAF. Yeah. Way to go, Greg. The AAF. <laughs> Give us a follow on this Twitter. Is, this is going to be a very pod. serious show. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most fun we'll have is right now because we're about to get pretty pissed off. You can give us a follow at Piffles Pod. You can follow me at Real Alex D. And still find me at Safamod. And I do not need your pity follows, but you can block me at Greg on Sports. <laughs> you listening, That's- Winnipeg? That's a good idea. I should block you. Yeah. Uh, all the cool kids do it now, apparently. Oh, I've never been cool. Well, I guess that's not for me. Piffles Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Check them out. Gentlemen, I wish we were talking about an upcoming game, but unfortunately we're not. Let's get to the opening kickoff. Not even funny, today. Should be having nope. an opening kickoff. Yeah, and that's the thing. No deal. We thought the last time that we all got together and did the show that we would have something by training camp and that it would come like the last day of the CBA that we'd actually have a deal done between the CFL and the P and the PA and nothing. Saturday came and went this past weekend and not a thing. We got more posturing and more throwing the other side under the bus as much as possible. And it's getting really, really aggravating to me because I just want football. I just want the CFL back. And it's starting to really tee me off that these guys couldn't figure it out. So Saturday, the last possible day to get a deal done before the, before the old CBA expired. The league actually posted what their part of their offer was. Now, this wasn't the whole offer. I want to say that right now because you know that they left a whole bunch of stuff out that would make them look bad. This was just a thing to... It was a tactic, just like the CFLPA leaking their stuff to Justin Dunk. So that that gets out in the media. This was just the league actually publicly announcing something, which shocked me because you never see that from the league, which goes to show me how far apart these two sides really are on getting a deal done for a season. My favorite part about that is at a quick glance, some of the stuff is like, oh, that seems pretty reasonable. Then when you start actually running the math, it's not that appealing at all. I can totally see why the, why the PA shut some of it down. Like that, that so-called increase that they were supposed to be getting is just going to the minimum salaries anyway. So that doesn't affect any, it doesn't affect the guys that are literally fighting for this deal now. But, I mean, isn't that the biggest thing that we want to see is seeing an increase to the minimum salaries so that you get guys coming up here? 
I mean, that's the biggest, that's the biggest problem to me is guys making 60 grand a year to play football because the guys at the top are making six, 700. Oh, but you need to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Here's the, here's the problem with that though. The guys fighting for that deal are the guys that don't care. <laughs> like they're, they, they, they don't necessarily want their replacements coming up. That's always the joke about these CBA. It doesn't matter the sports. It's always screw the rookies or screw the new guys. It, it, the established veterans want to get their piece of the pie and limit the uh, lowest guys as they can. Well, and an upgrade to the salary cap, like it had proposed there by the league. Okay. To, uh, or the minimum salary from going up to $70,000 in 2023. Cool. Okay. $5,000 there. There wasn't another increase in that until what, seven years later. And it was only $5,000, which baffles me. Like that's really, it's going to take you that long. When you look at where inflation's going in the rest of the world and every other employer giving, I would assume more than whatever that percentage is over the next seven years. Like it was an absolute joke from the league to do that. The thing that surprised me the most about that offer from the league, and I don't know how exactly it was worded when it went over the PA is some veteran players would be able to guarantee a portion of their contract, which would be a first in professional football in North America. As far as I know, even the NFL's contracts aren't fully, well, I guess some are fully guaranteed, but very rare. Well, the NFL lumps a lot into signing bonuses and they do have, have guaranteed contracts. About, so if they could get something like that in the CFL, I think that's a great idea. Even if they are partially guaranteed, whether it's you know 10% of the salary or 50%, like it doesn't matter. But as long as you can get some sort of guarantee, I know that's what players want so that they actually get their you know $5,000 bonus before getting cut on June 1st or whatever the date is that's written in a contract. And that's why I'll never fall Darian Durant for doing what he did to the bombers. Hell, I don't even no, fault Mo, I don't even uh fault uh, Mo Price for doing what he did to the riders. No. Especially get, in the CFL. Get paid. Careers are so short, you're making such little money to begin with as a pro athlete that make that money if they're going to give you 30k right now and you don't really have your heart into it, sign the deal, take the 30k and take off. See, my my only issue with Mo Price back then was was he did it and then rubbed it in everybody's faces afterwards. Durant was just like, no, I, you know, I just don't feel like playing football anymore. I was totally going to, but I'm not anymore. Mo Price was like, yeah, I was never going to play. <laughs> like, he, I mean, honesty is something. I, I guess respect for that, but. We, we got to stop talking about Durant because I'm, I'm, I'm already going to rant that I've been ha- sitting on for two weeks about Bomber fans and their stupid logic about how Durant Walking away somehow got them the uh, back-to-back Grey Cups because that's garbage. But this is not the time or place for that rant. But it will come. It will come. Maybe the first time the Riders play the Bombers this year, which evidently won't be this preseason game coming up on Monday because there's absolutely no way that they can have this happen. As we record this on Monday night, posting on a, on Tuesday, even if a deal happened today, Tuesday, that's not enough time for the CFLPA to turn around and say, yeah, okay, that's okay. Let's start training camps on Wednesday. All of a sudden you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, a walkthrough on Sunday and a game on Monday. That's not enough time. So the thing this this really gets to me because we've been talking about on the show and 
the MLB, look at what they had in the offseason. They're still going to have their 162-game schedule, their full schedule, but it was ugly from the players and from the league on both sides, and they couldn't get a deal done, and they waited till the last moment. They ended up pushing back training camps and, and cutting spring training pretty much to nothing. And that's exactly what's happening here in the CFL. They're going to cut preseason to basically nothing, which was a big part of why last season sucked the product on the field. There was no preseason. There was no training camp. And if we miss stuff like that here in the CFL, expect the product to be junk again. And they learned nothing from the MLB. And that's what makes me so mad is they had this whole time to prepare their offers. They didn't even meet until what late April. And then they took two weeks off and then started talking three days before the CBA ended. Pressure makes You're not going to get a deal done like that. Like it's ridiculous. It's so, it's the same That's thing the every time. It it I at this point, like I people that are complaining about it and it's like you knew here first time like it's that first time gif uh, with um like it's they do this all the time. They wait till the last minute because they think they both think it gives them leverage. Deadlines create deals. I know that's a that's the narrative that they go with, and and that's like any CBA with any football or any pro sports league and yeah generally speaking it works but the cfl is a different beast to me this isn't where you're going to have millionaires missing out on hundreds of thousand dollars for missing a couple games this is guys who are making 60k missing out on game checks because nobody wants to play ball here like it's ridiculous this is a league that can't afford this kind of pr that you look at attendance and you look at revenues over the last few years it's gone down and down and down. This league cannot afford this bad exposure anymore. The players can't afford this. It's ridiculous. And that's the part that really gets me is both sides know that they can't afford this, but yet they're still willing to do it. To me, it feels like the league felt like this is this is the year, again, that they could lock the players in because the players can't afford to lose another year. They lost 2019. They got partial checks in 2020 or Sorry, they lost 2020, got partial checks in 2021, and they thought, well, these guys need their money. Let's let's just screw them over one last time, and then we'll get to the good deals the next CBA. Like To me, it felt like they went in playing hardball, expecting the players to just fold. And for some reason, this is, this is the year. The one year where you really can't afford it is the year the players are going, whoa, no, no, we're not going to take it anymore. We, we want a good deal and are, are going to actually fight for it. Well, I mean, good on them for fighting for it, but absolutely, it feels like the timing is just could not have been worse. But also, you got to think of it. When you have the teams going hat in hand to both the provincials and federal government asking for money, saying they're losing money hand over fist, the players know they can't afford to miss games either. Like think about how many, how much money the riders had to pay back in season tickets over the last two years. Yeah, they held on to a lot of money, which I assume they were putting into high interest accounts as much as possible. But they they're still out money, regardless. Like they they do not want to be paying back season ticket money for any games that they don't have to. All right, and apparently there's no there have been no talks since Saturday at all. No meetings are scheduled to come up. So it doesn't sound like this is going to get resolved right away. Apparently there was a mediator hired for both sides to try and get them to talk and, and get things done. 
that's clearly doing nothing. It's just ridiculous that they're not even true. We heard that they're so far apart, but then we heard, oh, we're so, so close. But there's just a couple key things. If you're so, so close, get in a room, close the door and figure it out. That's okay. Glenn Suter got it all figured out first anyway. Is that I, where we're going? Uh, I'm, I'm going there. Post? I got it. I've been, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, Glenn, you're a former player. You should know as a former player what the players want. And yes, I think he's slightly biased because he thinks that the um, pl- the ratio is the biggest um, nugget that the league that the league is holding o- over the player's head. All the all the ratio is is a is a wedge issue that the league holds over the players, so they can keep the Canadian guys fighting the American guys over the dumbest thing possible. But asking the players to give up on basically what they want, which is transparency from the league so they know if they're getting a fair deal or not just so we can get games on the field this year i'm sorry that that is obviously a poison pill that the, the pa can't swallow like obviously they're they're close because they were negotiating well into the night if they weren't close they wouldn't even tried but obviously there's something the sticking point is probably i'm guessing the transparency because i don't know what the players are holding against the the league that they they, they can't agree with and transparency is the big thing for me. Like they have to open their books. The, the league needs to, the owners need to. Why do you think they didn't get a loan in 2020 from the federal government? Because they refuse to open their books and show everybody exactly what's going on. We get it. We know the league doesn't make much money. They lose a lot of money, actually. We know that. The owners, generally speaking, they make all their money on other ventures. The CFL is just a throw in. It's like a philanthropy thing. Look at Bob Young. That's not where he makes his money. He loves the game and he's willing to lose money on it just to have it keep going. But like MLSE, they sure ain't making money on the Argos. They're making money off the Leafs and Raptors. My my favorite quote of all time when it comes to sports was uh, Terry uh, Pegula, the owner of the Sabres and now the Buffalo Bills. But it's when he bought the Sabres, they asked, some reporter asked him at the announcement when he bought the team about, um, does he is he worried about the Sabers losing money because they were losing under the previous ownership? And he literally said in front of Gary Batman, "If I wanted to make money, I'd drill more oil wells," which is true. Like you, these guys don't buy teams to make money; it's it's a vanity project. I can probably count on one hand amount of people that got like super rich off of owning a team. And one of them is one of them is the Davis family from the Raiders because they literally had nothing because he was the coach, and the other one is um, Jerry Jones has made a ton of money on the Cowboys, and he was just a small like he was oil guy, but he was just a small town time guy at the time. But the transparency part when you're talking about salaries and you look at where revenue comes from, the the players get what a twenty two percent split from the from the league that's got to come up that has to go higher and that's why the league doesn't want to open their books because they don't want to show the money that they're actually making or not making to concede all this money to the players but it has to happen they have to have transparency and i know randy ambrosi and i know he's generally speaking just a talking piece for the nine board of governors for the owners but he's talking about how there needs to be transparency and there needs to be all this kind of stuff. And we're looking at building a long-term relationship with the players. 
That's BS. They're clearly not doing that. And that's not a slight on Randy. He's saying what the owners are telling him to say, but we don't buy it. And it's ridiculous. I wish these guys would just be honest with the fans and the media. Like all this stuff's getting publicly leaked and everything for a reason, obviously as tactics, but start just being honest. Like we're not looking for you guys to, to be shelling out millions of dollars to, to players. Like we know that's not realistic with, this market and, and how the CFL works, but you guys got to find some sort of common ground here. Every other pro league, the splits in revenue are 50, 50 at least for the players. And they're getting 22 in the CFL. That's ridiculous to me. Not, not only that, they're getting 22 and they've been okay with it. They just want to see where it's coming from. Yeah. Like they, it, it's book. amazing to me that we just can't get that part done. But that's, I think the problem there lies in the fact that you've got three publicly owned teams whose books are wide open and then six who can shuffle money however they choose. I think, I think it's that, that no thanks is obviously coming from, you know, substantially farther east of us. Well, it, using another league as an example, the Atlanta Thrashers never made a dollar because they were basically the dumping point of every bad transaction the Atlanta Hawks and uh, the Braves ever made because that's where Turner took all the money from. <laughs> because he didn't care because you could shuffle money that way. And the league and the NHL had a revenue ch- sharing system that if they uh, if the Thrashers showed no money in, they got money back from the league. So, I don't know. The opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage, Regina Realty. Want to get to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. And, of course, we're going to still keep talking about the, uh, the CFL and the CFLPA here. Um, the fan code of conduct. This is something that interested me when it came to Randy Ambrosi's real, like statement release that the league came out with was that they're looking at having a, a code of conduct in the league, not just for players, but for fans as well. well no, really no, curious. everyone in the CFL. It said yeah, everyone, in CFL including fans, yeah. which also made me laugh because, well, we, we've heard stories about a certain coach who likes wearing sunglasses. But anyways, I digress. Well, well um, <laughs> but I'm curious what this actually means. A fan code of conduct by the league like to me okay some fan calls your quarterback an a-hole on twitter okay ban that name from buying tickets okay sure they'll just get a buddy to buy him a ticket like i don't here's my question what happens if you have a guy let's i'm just throwing out something random here doesn't use his real name uses some kind of weird avatar maybe it's a chef i don't know cook a saucier maybe i don't know and (laughs) What's wrong, Steve? You okay? You okay? Fry guy. I Good. think you're looking. For yeah, fry, fry guy. guy. Yeah, you, like, you, like, yeah, you know, like, we'll, we'll call him J F or something. I don't know. Something. I don't know. Just random letters. Anyway. <laughs> and let's just say he's a giant dick. I, I, I call people dicks all the time. It's fine. He is. He's just, just a dick. To our quarterback. How. Can you enforce that? I, I'd be all for it, but how? 
how how do you prove one who that person is um despite everyone possibly knowing who it is two how do you keep him from going to games i i, I put through up the hypothetical let's say steve says something that pisses off a player and then somehow that goes against this new code of conduct what's stopping me from taking him as a guest it's not like they're checking ids through the door like this entire, entire fan code of conduct is blows my mind well, but i want to hear more and if you if you look at the CFL community, a good chunk of the trolls, just like any other sports community, ninety five percent of them don't put their names to their profiles. They don't. They're they're you know, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but they're unlike any other people in the show. <laughs> but they're they're you know just random characters or random statues or random like there's there's trolls all over the league refusing to use their name what are you how are you gonna do anything about that and furthermore how how do you think that's an appropriate thing for the league to take on that is clearly a team by team decision who they allow into their stadium in my opinion like every team has a you know fan rules fan ideas things you can't do putting a fan code of conduct just seems ridiculous and what made no sense to me when the league posted that was, okay, for one, for them to actually post something in, in the negotiations, like I said, it was a tactic to try and get fans going against the PA or to just get the PA to sign a deal and put the pressure on them. Why would you include that if you're the league? Oh, hey, we're going to not allow fans to be in stadiums, whatever this code of conduct actually means. Why would that be something that they would highlight because, like I said, you know they left stuff out of that release from their offer. That should have been one of those things, and then they can just enact whatever they want, whenever they want, to jerk all fans. Because I guarantee you some people on, the, on, on a first quick read were like, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of jerks out there. Let's keep them from ruining our game. I, I guarantee you they, they thought that was a reaction, and I, I'm assuming they probably got that from a few people. But also, when's the last time Mark Quinn McDonald's on this show? Because I want to know who got thrown underneath the bus. <laughs> I, I I like the joke there. Well done. Thank you. But I like that the entire press release were letter to the fans from Randy. <sighs> it was like weird. Said, what once you looked at it, like it was like that makes no sense. That makes no sense. Sure, that sounds like a good idea, but that's probably not the full story. Like, we're we're not dumb. Like we we understand. Like, if you're a fan, you've seen this multiple times. Like, and once again, Randy Ambrosi, he's Ronald McDonald, and he's just making the fries. Like, he does he doesn't own the building. He just works here, man. And we understand it's the board of governors that are calling the shots. So please quit adi- adding him on Twitter. Like, I can't imagine what his notifications look like. <laughs> he has nothing to do with it, people. Like, he, everyone's, been, everyone's complaining that he wasn't at the negotiations because he's not, he's not. He's just a figurehead. He's the human shield. So, yeah, he has nothing to do with these negotiations. So quit getting mad at him. All right. I have two more questions here before we uh, uh, get going. First off, when do we get a deal? Because we know one's going to happen, and chances are the 
that we're not going to lose any regular season games. The preseason game on Monday, you can basically kiss goodbye. That ain't going to happen. There's no way that they'll get a deal done in time and have a turnaround uh, to actually, you know, the PA is not going to say, yeah, after three practices of training camp, we're going to throw, you know, two teams playing. That's just not enough time. But when do we get a deal done? Because I feel something does happen this week, maybe Thursday or Friday. When, when can when do Calgary and Edmonton go on strike? When can they legally go on strike? Wednesday. 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 So, yeah, so they th- practice uh, on this Tuesday. weekend. This weekend is when we get a deal. I was figuring Saturday, and now I, I'm very comfortable saying Saturday. I'm thinking Friday night. Late at late Friday night, early Saturday morning. If not then, then we're looking three weeks down the road. And my next question, and I've seen a lot of people say this, and, and this has to do kind of with the uh, – so Hamilton is going to have a show of sol- solidarity with fans and players outside the stadium on Tuesday to try and get the league back to the negotiation table. Steve, you rolled your eyes there. That yeah. hurt my eyes, by the way. Right. Like, okay. But it brings up the question that, okay, so they, they obviously want the, the support for the CFLPA there. Do you guys have a side? Because generally speaking in these CBA negotiations, fans side with the players. They want the players to get a good fair deal. And it's millionaire owners against, especially in the CFL, guys not making millions of dollars. So, yeah, let the the big guys take the hit and give the money to the poor guys, right? Like, so it's the Robin Hood thing. But do you guys have a side here? No, they both suck. I just want to see some goddamn football. I realize that's the cop-out answer, but it's true. I don't, I don't care who wins. Just get a deal done. Get it over with. We know what's going to happen. I just want to go back to Mosaic and watch some football. And I hate to say it, that's probably what the league is baking on too because you have the people wanting their fix like Steve and the USFL just isn't strong enough for him so uh, he, he wants a writer football mainline right into his veins I'm probably leaning more player friendly on this one um, actually I'm probably always going to be leaning heavily on player uh, on the player side just because these guys careers are so short like I, I would, yeah. Would I give anything to play professional football? Yeah, I think it'd be fun. But I also understand that not everyone is Charleston Hughes playing until he's in a walker. Like, like most of these is guys that have this a year or next. Um, I hope it's next year because that's a weird signing. But I, I digress. <laughs> um, I like these, most of these guys. Like careers average three years. Like they're in, they're out. Rare is the guy with a long career. So they need to make the money as they can and move on to their next life. So get the money while you got it. Like I said, I'll never fault Mo Price or Darian Durant for doing what they did because get paid. And for me, generally speaking, I normally land right where Steve is. I don't care. You both suck. Just get a deal done and let's have our football or hockey or whatever it is. I'm leaning towards the players here and I want to give them kudos for actually standing up this time because this is the first labor stoppage in the CFL since 1974 before all of our time. Right, Greg, before our times. Hey, easy now. I'm a man. (laughs) I'm 40, but you know what I mean? Like this is the first time that they've ever actually gone on strike or, or anything. So, I mean, good for them for standing up clearly for, 
as Brett Lothar has said, this isn't just for us. This is for, you know, generations of players from now and the guys coming after us. And it seems like the CFL players are finally actually united for the most part. Granted, I'd love to see a quarterback, a guy who's making 500 plus K a year, come out and say that he's with the players. You very rarely ever see that. I'd love to actually, see that. Just- I think I saw Cody actually said something today where he was actually talking about this is for everybody. And he actually probably the, I, I didn't read the full quote, but it's probably the strong. I like, I can't imagine. And I like Michael Riley. I just can't imagine Michael Riley coming out, speaking hard against the league uh, with everyone else getting the way they get play, uh, paid. But I just want a deal done. I just want football and I hope it's, more fair for the players because they actually they deserve more there's no pro league in the world that gets paid less than the cfl does when you look at percentages and whatnot like it's just it's ridiculous so they do deserve a better deal hopefully they can get one and uh i guess i totally forgot about this i didn't even write it down but uh, greg you brought it up and uh we might as well get one rider topic in here on this show before we go charleston hughes <laughs> back with the riders um, I don't know what to make of it. I really don't. As a second down and long specialist, okay, sure. As a rotational guy, sure. Honestly, at this point in his career, and since we were talking about missing seasons and, and whatnot, I think missing the 2020 season absolutely hurt Charleston Hughes. And he said himself that he wasn't in the best shape going into 2021, but now he is. Take that for what it's worth. But another year father times undefeated. I just don't find that this is a good signing. I'd rather give that spot to a rookie, to be honest. Well, the, the worst part is they signed like what two days after Woodard got released by the chiefs. Like I, it just baffles me and don't get me wrong. Like he's, he's last year. He was a shell of himself. True. But like Calgary got rid of him when they thought he was, he wasn't good and we got two good seasons out of him. Like, I hope he's ready to roll and I think he'll be a good rotational guy. I don't think he's gonna be an every down guy, but yeah, it, I got to admit though, that video they did that, that is how you market a player. That is exactly how you're supposed to do it. It was a great video. It was awesome. I wish he wasn't sitting in his vehicle when he did it, but that's beside the point. Uh, as long as he wasn't on ring road. Okay. See, I, I, I let you dig that one. But I I'm torn on this one, and you you brought up a good point with with Jonathan Woodard. There's no way they make this signing without keeping a little bit of money aside in case uh, Woodard doesn't stick down south. I know he got released, but he'll he'll do his due diligence, look around and whatnot. There's going to be money there if he comes back up north. They have to. If they don't, they're insane. If they're choosing Charleston Hughes over over Woodard. I think I think this is a good rotational choice. I think they should six game him a couple of times and bring him around, you know, game 14, 15, because you know he's got a great start six to eight games every year. Might as well make it for the playoffs. Well, the speed we're going at, there only might be a 10 game season. <laughs> six game him, let him have the four games in the playoffs. Perfect. There we go. But wait, we don't talk about Bruno. LaBelle. Who also signed with the Riders. Yes. But we don't talk about it. That's why we, 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 we just, we're just moving on. Like, yeah, Steve Steve is uh, 
You can't see it, but he's uh, telling me I'm number one. Yeah. <laughs> Greg could see it. That's what matters. <laughs> the rest of you can figure it out. Well, hopefully in the next couple of days, we actually do get a deal here done between the CFL and the CFLPA. We can get our, our training camps going on and they can figure out what the hell they're going to do with that first preseason game and when, when they're going to move that to and juggle around the preseason schedule because that's already a mess the way that it is with nine teams. So hopefully they can get that figured out and we can actually get to talking football and what's on the field because I'm not going to lie, I saw the Turf District post from, that's the Edmonton podcast there, from Commonwealth Stadium, and I had major FOMO. Because you want to hang out with Andrew? Yeah, sure, we'll go with that. I just wanted to see Chris Jones, really. I love that man. Everything about him. The league is better with Chris Jones in it. His entire hey. thing about that. Tweet. Okay, now, now you're going to get a me tweet? going on his tweet thing again. Oh, I loved it. That was so great. That like, is what? such a gar- <laughs> that, that was such a garbage play that he pulls every time, and everyone falls for it. Oh, it's Chris Jones being funny. No, he dodged a question about retribution on the possible retribution on the quarterbacks by making it about just dismissing the reporter's uh, comment about. Hey, can I ask you about a tweet? Farhan Lalji tweeted that he that the 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 PA was worried about. Now you got me going. The PA was worried about retribution on the veteran quarterbacks, so that's why they had to go to rookie camp. And he just totally dismisses the question because it was about a tweet, and everyone loved him for it because it's Chris Jones. It's like, come on, you know what? The league needs more of that. He is Chris Jones is Chris Jones, and if you don't like it. Tough poo. It's just he he is not going to change for anybody, and I absolutely love it. And the CFL needs more personalities like him. Yes, you're absolutely right. He dodged the question. But the fact that he could is why it works. The quote fantastic was when they asked him about coming to training camps. And he says, it's my favorite time of year. It's 24-7 football and they bring me food. (laughs) (laughs) I've never related to a person so much in my life. Just give me football and food. I'm a happy person. That's Chris Jones right in a nutshell. That was awesome. Well, that's going to do it for us here on the Piffles Podcast. Of course, we'll be back when the CFL and the CFLPA do make an announcement and uh, get training camps underway because there's a lot of guys on the Riders here training camp roster that I'm looking forward to seeing, especially in the defensive secondary and what they're going to do there. I, I can't wait for the season to start, but I'm finding myself less and less enthused about it because of all this junk that's going on between the league and the PA. So I hope that uh, most fans, when the when the deal does happen, are still excited about the, the season because it should be a fantastic season, especially if they do have, you know, a f- full training camp and a full preseason because that's what was missing big time last year, especially at the start of the year. And if we can get a full one in with, with full 18 games and get everything going on, then that's great. And that's exactly what the league needs. So hopefully we get that. In the next, hopefully it's announced before we release this episode and we all sound like idiots even more so that would make me very happy. better get out early <laughs> oh piffles podcast brought to you by our great friends at dairy queen on elfinstone street and sass drive in regina special thanks of course to kathy festion of royal page regina realty and churchill brewing company making this show possible
Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN Canadian Football Podcast Network and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Here to sing you out with Tyler Gilbert's Ghost Behind Your Mind is Greg. And we'll march day and night by the big cooling tower. They have the plants, but we have the power. I went spoken. Dental plan. Lisa needs braces. Dental plan. Lisa needs braces. Bullseye. <laughs>